We are in the second part of Daniel 2, um, where Daniel has received the interpretation of the dream after his prayer group, after he had no clue what it was going to be, just that everyone was going to be killed. And what's going on with Daniel? There's two worlds, two kingdoms up at opposing each other. Okay? We've got the great kingdom of Babylon representing the world kingdom, man-made kingdom. And then we've got the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is manifesting it, characteristics of it, strength and power and sovereignty through his people. Through Daniel. So as we go through this with the dream, or through the whole book of Daniel, remember there's two, it's a warfare, two opposing kingdoms at hand. So before we get into the passage, I want to start with Colossians 1.13. And I have very bad dry mouth. I got a tooth pulled, and I'm waiting to get my implant, and I'm taking some antibiotics, and it's just like drying me up in there, you know? It's like... I'm getting old. I'm losing my teeth. It's not a good sign. Yeah, welcome to the club, right? So anyways, I'm going to have to drink a lot of water. I'm just real dry. Colossians 1, 13. This is our verse. God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. When we become a believer in Jesus Christ, he, he positionally takes us out of this kingdom of the world, of dominion and darkness, which is the kingdom that's in opposition to God's kingdom. And he takes us, makes us spiritually alive, and he puts us into the kingdom of his beloved son. We are in that kingdom. We are in Christ. And as we go through this, Daniel, as we live our world in, the, in our lives today, it's like we are, he's got us. He's got us. First Colossians 1.13. The wise men in the dominion of darkness world and all their wisdom and all their sorcery and all their ways to predict the future or whatever failed. They were unable to tell King Nebuchadnezzar what his dream was and therefore unable to tell him what the interpretation was. So King Nebuchadnezzar is at his wit's end. Worse than that, he's going to have a mental breakdown if he doesn't figure out what's going on because he's in high anxiety, he can't sleep at night, he's in a panic state. He needs to get an answer here. So he's going to knee-jerk reaction, kill them all, kill them all. So Arioch, the eunuch in charge of the wise men, go down and he's starting to line them up to kill him, and Daniel's like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? You know, let me go and give me some time and let me figure out or let me do something. And he calls his prayer meeting with his three friends, and God answers his prayer, and we ended it last week with great praise, credit, glory to God. With that in mind then, in verse 24, therefore, therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy them, the men, wise men of Babylon. And Daniel went to him and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me 
in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste. Wait, this was great. I mean, this was like, he's going to be up for a promotion on this one, Arioch. It's like he's going to, you know, we've got the answer to what's going on. The whole kingdom, or at least the palace, was on just eggshells because the king couldn't sleep at night. And he's on a rampage killing stuff. How far will it go? It's like, here's Arioch. He's got the answer. So in haste, he goes in to the king. And he says, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. Boy, what? Ba-boom, 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 right? He's got the answer. Who gets the credit for all this stuff? Arioch is in the world's uh, arena. He's in the worldly kingdom. Everyone looks out for their own self. You know, pride. What made Satan fall from heaven? Pride, right? So he goes in before the king and he says this. Daniel, on the other hand, who's in one of God's people, he is looking out for others because he says to Eric, don't destroy the wise men. Even the, 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 the wise men that just were pagans and demonic and all that kind of stuff, it's like Daniel says, don't destroy them, don't destroy them. I have the answer. Two different motives there with it, isn't it? So he goes in in verse 26. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen in its interpretation. Daniel answered the king and said, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has had. But God, don't we love that little phrase? But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar What will be in the later days? We talked last week about how dreams are very important because they can be um, giving insight into what might happen in the future. Um, That's why they had all these wise men and people trying to interpret these dreams. So Daniel is not giving himself credit. He is going to say that it is not him or anybody else. And he's not alone. We have to also remember when he's talking to the king... Um, there's a whole room of people in there witnessing what's going on. So who's going to get the credit right off the bat before Daniel even tells him what the dream means is, is the God in heaven. Whatever gifts, abilities, talents we have, whatever knowledge we have, the fact that we can even speak and breathe, whatever successes we have in life, are ultimately the work of God, who gave us those gifts and opportunities. Even the desires we have, the diligence and the perseverance to pursue the different things in life, even that is from God. He is the only God is good, And only good things come from God. He is the only one. And aside from God, we are nothing. We have to realize this. We are simply 
because we are in God's kingdom, out of the dominion of darkness and in God's kingdom, we are simply God's servants doing the work he has assigned us to do in his kingdom. Out of a mindset like that or an understanding who we are and who God is, the word humility comes into play. It has to come into play. Um, Humility. The perspective that sees our own size rightly in comparison to the surpassing greatness of our God. Humility is the perspective. Humility is keeping the comparison foremost. We are nothing, and God is everything. Eyes off self, eyes on to God. Okay, that's humility. So David is demonstrating this um, in front of all these people. He's an amazing God. He's an amazing, amazing God. Now just think about this next part. It's just, we just have to slow down and look at the words. Because he even knows our thoughts when we're asleep. When we're sleeping, we don't really know our thoughts unless we can they wake us up or can remember them. So much stuff goes on that we don't know about. So much. But he even knows that. What an amazing God. So he goes on to tell the king... Remember, the king wanted to know two things, what his dream was and what the interpretation was. So he goes on to tell the king um, in in verse 28 what his dream is. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he, God, who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. So this is Tell Nebuchadnezzar. You've got these thoughts in your bed. God is going to make known to you. Daniel says to himself, but as for me, the mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have or any living, you know, more than anybody else, but in order that the interpretation may be known to you. He is again in front of the king saying, I am going to tell you what it is, but I am nothing. There's nothing special about me. The main purpose here is that God in heaven is going to tell you what he wants you to know in these dreams. That you may know the thoughts of your mind. So we have, man, that's kind of, to me, very peaceful. Just very reassuring. Because sometimes we get crazy thoughts up there, don't we? <laughs> sometimes we're like, you know, what's going on? Or how do I need to handle this? And yet, we don't have to go and lay it out before God. You know, I've been in prayer groups before where it's on and on and on. And they're telling God everything that's going on. God knows what's going on in your head. He knows the thoughts we have. He knows. I think this is all new to these people. I don't even think these pagan um, sorcerers and astrologers and stuff even knew that there was a God that could get inside your head because it was a God. The gods were out there. The gods were, didn't dwell with man. But here Daniel is saying that the God of heaven knows what your thoughts are. All right. O king. Here's the interpretation. O king. Um. 
before I, before I do that, let me say this about the world's wisdoms and these pagan astrologers and astronomers and, you know, soothsayers and stuff like that. They pretty much guess or they can predict patterns. Fortune tellers, they predict patterns, you know, whatever. Um, you know what? The people who tell us the weather <laughs> also kind of look at patterns and they predict. But really, the God of heaven can blow something any way he wants to blow, right? So we look over our shoulders at history and see these are things that have happened and cause and effect and everything. So they, they, they strategize and they're actually people called futurists who aren't prophetic, but they're futurists. It's actually a profession um, that can look at patterns and behavior and, um, and things and have a, a, an idea of what the future could hold. Like if we continue to amass the knowledge that we're amassing now, it's going to implode on us. It's going to get to the point where it's, we just can't handle it anymore. You know how many books are written and published every minute in this world? There's just no way we're going to take the knowledge in. So, um, these people that get their wisdom from the world, God has something to tell about them. Because God is able to foretell what will happen Because God has determined what will happen, and God has the power to make it happen. Isaiah 41, um, through the prophet Isaiah, God is saying to these fortune teller people, set forth your case, in verse 21, and say to the Lord, bring your proof, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring them, and tell us what is to happen. Tell us the former things, what they are, that we may consider them, that we may know their outcome, or declare to us the things to come. You tell us what is to come afterward, that we may know that, that you are gods. Do good or don't do harm, but we may be not dismayed and be terrified. Behold, you are nothing, and your work is less than nothing, and an abomination is he who chooses you. God calls him out. You can't do it. You can't do it. But God can do it. Verse 31. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of the image was of fine gold, its chest and arms Uh, uh, and arms of silver, its middle section and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron and clay. And the king's probably just on every single word of this, like, wow, yeah, yeah. And as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, and the bronze, and the silver, and the gold all together had, were broken in pieces and became and like, like shafts of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone, or we can say again, but God, but the stone struck the image, striking the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So, I'm sure there was, you could hear a dime drop on the floor in there as they listened to Daniel's words as he's describing this. 
He was doing exactly what the wise men claim was impossible to do. Impossible. This great image, we're going to take a look at it, image of a person, because it had body parts of a person. We don't know anything beyond that. We have a pretty, I don't know, idea of a man or whatever, but it was basically a human form, and the materials from the head down to the feet descended in value from the top to the bottom, because gold, and then silver, and then bronze, and then iron, and then a mixture of clay to dirt, pretty much. That descended. The materials, though, increased in strength from the top to the bottom. Gold is very soft and pliable. Silver is a little bit stronger. Bronze, and then you get iron in there. That can pretty much destroy anything. But then the iron became divided and weak. So we see the materials traded off some purity and value and ethics, <laughs> good things for strength to overcome the previous kingdom or the previous element. Well, we know their kingdoms by now, okay? So they're trading off valuable things like family and marriage and education as it goes down through history for might and power and war machines and all that kind of stuff. So, this spectacular image crumbled by a stone, a stone that wasn't man-made, wasn't carved out. All the, all the other pieces were carved, shoulders and thighs and everything were all carved. And it struck the feet at the very bottom. And when it did, it grew. So the image became nothing and blew away. Nothing was left. And the stone grew and increased into a great big mountain. So at this point, let's not get sidetracked. Because we don't want to miss the main point of the, 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 the dream. We can do all this historical analysis of what's going on. Oh, is this kingdom and that kingdom? And, and there's a popular belief that what the kingdoms were and everything like that, and we'll get into them in the next part there. But before we do, what is most important here is to focus on what the future holds and not on when it will come to pass. Okay, what is going on here in this image? What is about to, what is ha- going to happen in the hereafter? Not specifically when it's going to come to pass. In other words, we're going to look at the passage and look at the philosophy of history rather than precisely analyzing it, okay? Because we can get caught up in the details of it and we're going to miss the bigger picture. The details may be important, but let's, we can look at those after we get the big idea of what's happening here. Two opposing kingdoms. One's already failed and hasn't been able to tell the king his dream. The other kingdom of God, who is sovereign and all-knowing, all-powerful and all-present, he's already won up on him because he's told the dream what it is. And now he's going to tell, the, tell them what the interpretation is, okay? But we have to remember, as we continue to look at this, we are in that kingdom of God. All right, interpreting the dream here. 
in verse 36. This was your dream. Now we, tell, we will tell you the king's interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, and he was, it was a huge kingdom, the power and the might and the glory and into whose hand the God of heaven has given the kingdom and the power and the might and the glory into your hands. He has given you this. All that you are, King Nebuchadnezzar, all the greatness, all the power, all the magnificence, everything that he rules, it is God who has given those things to you. Wherever you dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens make you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. So in order for someone to give you that kind of, you know, you have rule and power over all these kingdoms, all these peoples. You have rule and power over the birds of the air. You have all that. Somebody is giving that to you, which means somebody has it. Somebody has it already, and now they're giving it to you. We know later on in the New Testament that God the Father gave it to his son, Jesus Christ. That's how the story ends. But here, he's, Daniel is telling him that it's God of heaven that's given you that. Okay? You are that head of gold. Oh, feel good about that. You'll be able to sleep tonight knowing that. Another kingdom inferior to you in verse 39 shall rise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, okay, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks into pieces and shatters all things. Unlike iron that crushes it shall break and crush all of these. And then the next set of verses, 41 to 43, They spend more time describing the feet than any other body part. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. But as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so that kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. There's a lot of focus on the feet. There's a lot of focus on the head, giving them all that power. Why do we start with the head with Babylon? Why does this dream come in here in history with this, with Daniel telling him this? Because Babylon... um, is very important in the biblical history because it was the first, we'll call it a prototype, of all world empires. It was where men first banded together against God. And if we go back to Genesis 10, you can look at, um, we already had the flood was destroyed and the descendants of Noah. In verse 10, the other generations that were coming up, we have Nimrod, Nimrod, a mighty man, an evil man, and he started to bring together, in verse chapter 10, 10 of Genesis, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and that's where they all band together, all the people, they, the flood was there, and all the people were hovered together, and God told them to scatter, and they weren't scattering, they were going to just rebel against God, and build this tower, and reach God, and usurp God's position, <clears throat> it's been man's goal from the beginning of time, Satan's behind it all. 
And this is where God had the Tower of Babel come. So the Babylon, the Babylonian Empire is, 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 the, is symbolic of the very first time that people band together in opposition to God. No, he scattered them, right? He scattered them. This time in history with King Nebuchadnezzar is where it has risen to its greatest heights. Okay. This is why God is, I think, intervening in this time in history to start to tell us what's going to happen to all the kingdoms of the world because Babylon, this rebellious kingdom against God, is at its peak. The rest of the image represents future world empires. A common understanding would be, and your commentary hits on this, silver is going to be inferior. It's going to be the Medes and the the Persians. We'll get to them in chapter 5 of of, uh, Daniel. Then come brass, the third one, which a lot of historians see as the, um, the Greeks, established by Alexander the Great. And the fourth, the legs of iron, the Roman Empire, and then it gets mixed with clay because the Roman Empire was a divided and it had, could not stand. I want to introduce something here to you guys with the word marriage in that passage. Because it says in verse 43, As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage. Did you pick up that? Did anybody pick up that word? So what's going on there with that word? Um, and it's actually the last, the feet there are the last thing, and that's the part that is actually attacked to. So we'll start with what Jesus has said in Matthew 24, 36 and 37. He says that... Um, when they're talking to him about the end times, what's the end times going to be like? We all want to know what it's going to be like. And Jesus says to them, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So there's a good, Jesus is telling us there's going to be a similarity with what happened in the time of Noah before the flood came and cleaned it all out, judgment. The same similar things as in those times is going to be in the times of him coming, the second coming of Christ is what it's talking about in Matthew 24. So what were they doing with in, in that time they had um, in, before the, he, the flood came in 6, Genesis 6, we have the Nephilim that were created. Now, I'm not going to get into a big study of the Nephilim. You can if you want to, but I want to lay this out because the word marriage is in our text today. The sons of God, which angels, angelic, at this point they were fallen angels, demonic, saw the daughters of man, human females, were attracted, and they took them as their wives. So we have something that doesn't mix. We have a demonic realm mixing with God's people or or the human race. And this happened back in that day. And this is happening now. Okay? There's something called incubus. It's a word incubus. um, I-N-C-U-B-U-S. Which is pretty much a, a... A... 
intercourse of the fallen angels and, and, and female women. So, that's as far as I'm going to go on that one. But just to tell you, they don't mix. Doesn't mix. Okay? On that same realm, though, the times that we also live in are some unusual things happening with artificial intelligence that hadn't happened in previous times. Elon Musk was at the MIT Aeronautics and Astronautics 214 Symposium. Almost a decade ago, he says this, quote, We are summoning the demon with artificial intelligence. That's him. We have things now that, that get in there and mix with our DNA. I mean, the things that they're messing around with now are pretty skating on thin ice. Probably even have fallen underneath. I don't know. Elon Musk went on to say that there might be better off if we had some government regulation, or you know, coming from him, government regulation on this or something, because it's going to be out of control. What was happening with the Tower of Babel? Out of control. And God even said, if they do not, if no one stops them, it's going to be really bad. If they kept going and going, who knows what they'll be, what they will be able to do because we're made in the image of God and we have great intelligence. There's no end on what they could do. And when it's not with God, it will only be evil and bad. So with artificial intelligence, just know it's not all what it's panned out to be. And it's not, um, and people have got to program it. Not only that, Satan has a way of getting in there and messing with stuff too. So, that's all I'm going to say about that. But the entire human endeavor, all the human head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. (laughs) We needed a laugh then, didn't we? Um, All human endeavor um, is through blessings and gifts from God that he has given us from the very beginning. And yet it ends up as nothing. It can't even stand. All right? So those are the feet. We might very well be in the feet. But we're not in the feet. We're in the kingdom. Right? All right. Verse 45, Daniel goes on, Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a, human ma- from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke into pieces the iron and the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. God's kingdom is there's this stone, a stone that starts out small and it lacks glory, but it grows to the power of God until it dominates the entire world. We know what this stone is. Uh, Old Testament, Psalm 118:22. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Isaiah 8:14. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Isaiah 28:16. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid a founda- as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of sure foundation. 
And Zechariah 3, 9, Behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, declares the Lord of hosts, I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. That's Old Testament. New Testament. Great stuff here. Mark 1, 14 to 15. Now, after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying... The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus' own words. We have Matthew 13, 31. Jesus, again, is telling parables. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, that a man took and sowed in a field, and it is the smallest of all seeds. It's just a little stone, smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that all the birds of the air can make their nests in it. And he told them another parable, that a kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in, a, in three measures of flour until it was all leavened, and it grows. You know how leaven grows. So again, it's a stone that grows big. It's a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is is like that. It's going to grow and dominate. Acts 4.11, Paul even says, this Jesus is the stone that, has be, that the, um, was rejected by you and the builders. So we have the Old Testament prophets recognizing the, uh, Christ as a stone. We have Jesus himself claiming to be the stone. We have the apostles now saying that Jesus is the stone. Um, Paul says that rock is Christ. And the last one I'm going to let you look at is 1 Peter 2. Because there's a lot of quotes in there about the living stone. Um, starting in verse 4. As you come, Peter says, as you, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And he goes on to quote Old Testament. He's laying the cornerstone. Some of the ones that I quoted to you, just read to you just now. And then verse 9. But we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's our hope. Um, So, the stone that came in a dream, this is way before it's going to happen when Jesus walks on the earth, but these worldly kingdoms, they all decline in glory. They trade off magnificence for strength to overcome the previous kingdom, and we can see the progress of humanity isn't always a good thing. Some of it's good, some of it's not. But what is progressing in humanity is rebellion against God. I mean, they don't even hide it anymore. You can think of it as a river that flows, as it flows through the different cities and towns, as it, <laughs> as it throws, flows through East Palestine, Ohio. It just keeps picking up more and more toxins and more and more stuff. And so as history, as we go through every, every generation in history, um, it gets more and more corrupt and more and more rebellious as they build the Tower of Babel to try and, and, and become God and usurp God. 
Satan is behind it all because he wants to be like God. Um, these are the kingdoms. This is what the passage is about. It's not about, oh, this kingdom overthrew this kingdom. I mean, that's cool to know. But the bigger picture is what's going on with truly these, the mankind without God in opposition to God. All right? And the common attitude of all these kingdoms is this, a lust for power and to dominate the world. So let's close it up with um, how Nebuchadnezzar responds to that. Okay? Verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face. Now this is big. (laughs) Because he's not going to do something like that. That is almost very... Very humiliating for the king, Nebuchadnezzar, king of the Babylonian empire, to fall on his face and pay homage to Daniel and command that an offering and incense be offered to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal the mystery. So, people, it it still amazes me when I run into people that will know that God is God and how cool he is and magnificent, but still won't claim him as their God. He's Daniel's God. He's a great God. And I'm great relief that I now know what's going on. And you know what? I'm the head of gold, so there's nothing bad going to happen to me, so he's cool with everything, right? Okay, so he makes his, fulfills his promise with Daniel, and he gives Daniel, um, Daniel wanted God to get the credit, and Nebuchadnezzar gave lip service to that, but he promoted Daniel, and he gave him all the great gifts that he promised the wise men that he would give to them, and he made him ruler over the whole providence of Babylon, And this is so cool. We saw this with Joseph. We see this so many times that just put God first. He'll just move you through time in these places. Daniel makes a request of the king regarding his friends. um, And they were appointed the affairs over Babylon. But Daniel stayed within the king's court and got very close to there. Okay? Um, So Daniel looking out for his friends and everything is a wonderful thing. Daniel and his friends continue to serve where God put them. And we remember from Je- uh, Jeremiah 29, what we're supposed to do, um, verse 4, where the letter was sent. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Way back, he's sending them a letter to tell, you know, sending them a letter acknowledging the fact In the future, after this, you're going to be taken captive into Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens, eat produce, take wives, have sons, live your life, whatever. Seek the welfare of the city where you are in. Okay? So, that's what Daniel and his friends are going to do. They're going to serve in the area that God has put them in, but they are in God's kingdom. They're going to keep a balance of being in the kingdom of God, but also being a positive influence as much as they can, in the world that God has put them in, in the roles that we have. 
work or systems or neighborhood or even churches, you know, where, where we can shine for Christ in that. And we wait with anticipation his coming, all right? Daniel was put in charge of the wise men. I, I bet you some of you have heard this before. Because we, we fast forward in time and we go to the Star of Bethlehem, and those were wise men from the east. There's some uh, scholars who believe that the teachings that, that Daniel did with those wise men in the day and the astrologers were actually teaching them about the Christ child that's to come and the star and everything. So that could have been through history then, how they watched the stars and everything, and when all that stuff happened, and they had been looking for that star for a long, long time. Um, could be. There's a good chance that that is. Anyways, the good news is, for us, the rock rains. He rains. And we are to have feet ready to run to share the gospel. I want you all to look at your feet. Our feet run to proclaim the gospel of God. There's a verse that talks about that. We have happy feet that pronounce the gospel of God because it's the good, good news. First Peter 3.15 says, In your hearts honor Christ as the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and, and respect. Our, the time of the world is coming to a close very, very soon. I don't know how soon. Some days I wish it was like before the sun goes down tonight. <laughs> um, but we still are proclaiming the gospel. And we have the joy and the hope. And it's almost like, Alleluia, come soon, Lord Jesus. Um, and remember that we are in the kingdom of the Son that God loves, in the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Own that. Let that be your identity, and then let's live our lives according to that kind of a joy. God, help us to just be your light to a very confused, ever-growing, hateful, uh, lost, depressed, anxious world that's out there. May you shine brightly in our lives and may we have the boldness to speak the truth about this light to your glory. Amen.